Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Good morning, Good Gabbers. Today we have Brandy Tarala. This is the founder of United We Rescue. It is going to be a riveting conversation today. I could just tell. Brandy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, Brandy, it's a cold day in Spokane. For sure. <laughs> the last throes of winter are here. Yeah, I, uh, I'm happy to be here. It's kind of warm. We're in the Spokane Library downtown. And Brandy, how's your day going? Good. Busy. And I'm happy to be here. And yes, very cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long has Spokane been home? Oh, well, I grew up, um, I was born in California, moved to Coeur d'Alene when I was two, stayed there until I was in sixth grade, and we moved over to Spokane. So I stayed in Spokane Valley until I was 19. Instead of going to a university my first year, I was an avid snow skier. I wanted yeah. to be a ski racer. So nice. I was at somebody's, a friend's house, and we were playing Truth or Dare, and they go, we dare you to call this ad for Yellowstone Park. I'll call it. You're like, so I'm I ready. Here it. we go. They interviewed me over the phone and hired me, and I thought it was funny, and they're like, well, we dare you to go for the summer. I'm like, I'll go. So they, like, taunted me throughout the spring, and I took off and went. You, you know, went? Yellowstone Park. I almost turned around at the state line because I'd never been to Montana. I'm like, what am I doing? I lived in Green Acres. <laughs> you know? uh, but what like, is it? Big Sky is by Yellowstone right south of uh, oh. Bozeman. I'm just thinking is the, if you chased the mountains, I did, did you get to ski there out there? Because it was summer. Yeah. So I oh. went for the summer month, um, found out that there's a whole world of resort hopping. And I was going to go back to college, and they're like, we're all going to a dude ranch in Arizona. I'm like, they're skiing in Arizona yeah. and New Mexico. So I took some time off and traveled the country and with my skis, <laughs> and I ended up on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I know. I didn't know there was skiing over there. <laughs> there wasn't, but it was, again, the summer. You know, it was off-season. Everybody recruits for their okay. seasons. There's a whole network, and I'm like, okay, Cape Cod. Didn't even know what state it was in. I'm like, Maine, New Hampshire? <laughs> Didn't like, matter, right? Massachusetts. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. You know, I was young. <laughs> I Sounds awesome. Turned 21, and then we went out there. Um, but my second summer returning, um, I was supposed to go work Vail that winter, start my career. And in August, I got hit by a drunk driver, broke both my legs. Wah, wah. <laughs> Major. Ended my career that was skiing. I have not skied since, and I will go next winter if it kills me. <laughs> Do it. Um, I believe in you. So after I healed, I ended up going back to Cape Cod and got into restaurant management, but that adrenaline rush in me was still there. So I thought. Yeah, you don't get that uh, at the restaurant. <laughs> it's busy, but not, you know, not the fulfilling. So I'm like, I think being a paramedic would be kind of fun, and I love helping people medical field has always interested me so at almost 30 years old I went to EMT school and went right into paramedic school I went to the fire academy when I was 40 wow <laughs> <Yep>. all right <laughs> I just dove right in You're like yep here I am this is what I'm doing yep and I ended up working in a community called Provincetown Massachusetts which is the very tip of Cape Cod have you been there nope I have not that's one part of the world I have not been in did you know where do you think the pilgrims first landed uh, Pillar Rock? Pillar? 
Plymouth, Plymouth, Rock. Plymouth. There we go. Not a thing. They actually landed. It's a lie. Well, it's well, it's not. They settled in Plymouth. They actually oh. landed in Provincetown. I got schooled right quick. <laughs> and now I have been. This is good. <laughs> so they landed in Provincetown. Then they went to Truro. And there was a whole corn massacre thing, and then they went to Plymouth. Maybe not a massacre, but a little bit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was lied to in school. I Dang. felt like I was, too. Yep. We went to the Cataldo Mission and watched eagles fly around. That's what we did. Right? Which was also cool. <laughs> <laughs> so super exciting to be out there. Um, I was a paramedic out there for almost 15 years. Decided to move back home. Um, my family lives here. All my family lives here. So I'm like, my parents aren't getting any younger. It's time. More opportunities for my son. Was 10 years old. Cape Cod's an island. So it, it's still big but small. Okay. Um, got a job with AMR and moved back here. And what a difference after 27 years. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. It's a night and day, right? Yes. It was seven this years ago. This town grew up. I remember cruising Riverside when I was young, you know, and that's not a thing anymore. I know about cruising Riverside. Best yep. times. Yes. <laughs> really good times. Ruby and Division were not the one, you know, it was all <laughs> two-way yeah. and Appaway and Sprague. I'm like, oh, this is so weird. And just oh, the place where I snowmobiled, you know, our housing developments. And that was very strange to me. Yeah, the valleys just filled in like crazy, Huge. huh? <laughs> so did you, when you came out here, was did you come to be a paramedic then? I did. I had to challenge the national test, which <laughs> that in itself was kind of funny because I had been a pe- paramedic for almost 15 years. So everybody's like, oh, just go take the test. When you fail, you'll know what you need to study on and retake it. And I'm like, oh, good point. I ended up passing... I had to go to Rhode Island for my written test, pass that, and then I had to go to New Hampshire for my practical, and I got a hotel room. Again, I'm busy. I was a supervisory position, so I didn't really study. I'm like, I I know what I'm doing. Right. (laughs) So I go up there, and he's talking, and he goes, yeah, make sure you guys read your sheets, and I look at him, what sheets? And he goes, are you kidding me? And I go, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, he printed them out and he goes, you need to go study these. I went back to my hotel room, fell asleep, woke up in the morning. You're like, oh, here we I'm go. Like, oh my gosh. So I just went and did it and I passed, but they were messing with me because they knew my story. So every time I went into a room, the guy was like, you know, making the, oh no, doesn't look good. Yeah. So I knew they were messing Sorry, with Brandy. me. I'm like, oh, you guys. But I passed, so excited, and I was able to come out to Spokane, but the lovely state of Washington would not recognize my certification. So there's no reciprocity. There's reciprocity, but I didn't go to what they call an accredited school, because when I went to school, it really was kind of a new thing. It wasn't, you know, out there, even though it was the same curriculum. Sure. Um, so they said, well, you can't be a paramedic, but you can be an advanced DMT. It devastated me. <laughs> I bet. Like, uh, I am a paramedic. Right. What are you talking about? So I, thank God I did not let go of my national medic. I kept it. I practiced as an advanced here in the state, but I kept my paramedic. So when COVID hit, I wrote a letter to the state and I said, you guys are short of paramedics. This is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. It made me active. Nice. Yes. So, Win- winning. Yeah. And it, my first shift out on the street as a medic was just what every medic dreams. I got to intubate. I got to do all sorts of what we call great stuff. Um, You're a special <laughs> breed of folks. I, uh, I sold a lot of plastic devices uh, in ah. that world for a long time. And I remember doing some in-servicing on like a, when IO stuff came out. Okay. And 
I couldn't hold it together uh, when I got to see that in the first time. I was going the right drip. into the bone, the drill. And then, love the drill. Yeah, well, an amazing device, right? Uh, being able to put fluids directly into the body really quickly. Yeah. But you all are amazing because it's like, oh yeah, they're just doing this and keeping people alive. It's amazing because when I started, the drill wasn't a thing, so you had to do the old ham sheety, what they called it. Um, uh, first time I did that was on a baby, and uh, oh, wow, an awake baby. Doctor, oh, doctor told me on the. How do you have, hold it still? They're sick. Dad, you know, parents are with you. It, it was not fun. Baby was awake though. And that was so hard. Oh. Oh. Med controls on the radio going, you get that IV. And I'm like, oh, can't you just wait till we get to the hospital? But we were too far out. So he goes, no, you need to do it. And I'm like, okay. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. We're doing it. And so, got it done? Got it done. Nice. <laughs> it just. I went home. My baby was only six months at that point. I just remember kissing his little legs and oh, oh. can't imagine that parent watching that. <laughs> well, those kind of stories, I mean, those are everyday stories in the paramedic world, right? It is. It's hard. But I also look at it as such a blessing because we get to go into people's lives at their most vulnerable moments. They are trusting us with everything or not. <laughs> But you see all walks of life. Just when you think you've seen it all, trust me, you have not. <laughs> and it makes me feel grateful for what I have. Because when I'm down and having a bad day, I remember those calls. And it's like, our problems are temporary, most of them. Theirs are not. <laughs> well, good point. How, how does one, you know, compartmentalize that, though, in, in this world? Because you, you see a lot of bad. We see a lot of bad. Um, got me choked up already. Gosh darn it. <laughs> um, I feel like I do okay. You know, like people that know me, my my demeanor, I am happy. I am joking. I love to sing. Heck yeah, I feel it right now. Um, but I think it had to do with my upbringing, where I first became a firefighter. I wasn't full-time fire, but I worked for a combination of what they call a combination. So I had an engine night and a rescue night, but I remember my first fatal fire. They brought us back to the station and I didn't cry per se. And I didn't know. And everybody's like, we're going into this room and we are just going to talk about it like a debrief, but mm -hmm. they didn't really call it that. And I'm like, why do we have to do this? Looking back at it, I am so grateful they did it because they don't always do it enough here. It's a busy system. Our world is in a different state, a different place. The climate's different. It's it's very violent out there, and they see a lot. They are going from call after call after call after call, seeing gunshot, stabbing, cardiac arrest, pediatric arrest. You know, it's just, it's horrible. <laughs> I know. We see it just, uh, you know, I'm a bystander, right? I have a phone. I'm seeing, like, some of the calls. Like, there's lots of different things on the Internet, right? They tell you what's happening. You're like, oh, it's a busy night. You don't think about the people who actually have to go and deal with it. Right. Like, that's you. That's your team. Yep. So I, I think it's super important to debrief and talk about it. And it's important that you talk about it with people who understand it. Because there are even therapists out there who do not know our world. They go to school to become a therapist, but they've never experienced the trauma that we see. So for them to help 
people like us, it's very difficult. So you have to find that therapist that has that trauma experience. And they say, well, I'm trauma certified. You still don't have that understanding. Trauma certified is very different than actually living it, being in it, and understanding it. Um, about been a couple years ago when I moved back to Spokane I also noticed that everybody goes to Seattle and Portland for firefighter stair climbs okay yeah and there's city fire valley fire PD sheriff AMR and everybody I'm like we need to bring our agencies together and do something really fun here and not just a firefighter stair climb but let's do something different and unique I want to do an obstacle course that makes fun of our agencies and have it in the center of a baseball field by the way, Boston Red Sox are the best. Yeah. <laughs> Go Boston. <laughs> Sorry, Mariner friends. <laughs> um, so I took a friend of mine out to breakfast, who Dana knows, Amanda Hester, who worked for United Way at the time. And I said, hey, I want to do this event. And told her my idea. And she's like, that is amazing. I go, I've done some research. I've never heard of anything like it. It'll be super unique. And we'll be able to make fun of what we do and maybe bring awareness. And I want the money to go towards mental health. Because like you said, I saw a lot of people really suffering. I know people that have ended their lives, have come very close. And that's where I want the money to go. So she goes, that's fantastic. So she, we left. She goes, let me think about it for a month. I got to finish up my master's. You go talk about it and we'll reconnect in a month. And like, she texted, all right, yeah. it's a month. Come Let's on. Let's do this. She texted me right after our um, meeting. She goes, United We Rescue. And I go, oh. Great name. It, yes. You know, I go, I love that. She goes, take the name, do your thing, talk about it. We'll connect. So I started talking about it and where the money would go to. And people started coming up to my office and saying, hey. We really need this. Oh, my gosh. And started talking to me. And I'm not a therapist. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so much bigger than myself. And kept talking. When Amanda came back after a month, I was telling her everything. She sat back and she's staring at me. She goes, you're going to start a nonprofit. You better write your job description. I'm like, wow. what are you talking about? She goes, this is my world. You just saw a need. This is going to go nationwide. And I'm like, but my job description? I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, where do you think I work? <laughs> And I'm like, right. You know, it was just not a, I, I know you donate to nonprofits, but it was not my mindset. It was sure. not my world. I'm a paramedic. I do business development for AMR. But again, I came from the streets to my self-made job per se, yep. you know, I kind of made it my own thing. But you, you, you had the personal feeling and then yeah. found this is a real need across yes. the country. So I went home and just Googled. 501c3 and uh, Amanda actually connected me with Dana <laughs> met Dana but I filled out all the paperwork at home got connected to someone who kind of just sent me an email and said hey you want to do this 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 and paid for it did it um, we are now officially a 501c3 congratulations <laughs> Thank you. just getting through the paperwork is tough it was tough <laughs> it's been a lot of work at my first board meeting, I know I know, I keep referring to Dana, but I think we had, what, 30 people? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I thought we needed a person for every little thing that was in my mind. I have found out since I'm a huge visionary, <laughs> so I need a good team to reel me in and narrow it in, start slow. Yeah, paint the picture of where you want to go and help. Yes. <laughs> everyone else can help make that vision a reality. Correct. Yeah. Um, so it's all coming together and... Since then, we have actually helped. This is where I'm going to get really. 
there's a member on our board that reached out to me, was not on our board yet, but he reached out to me when he heard what I was doing. He goes, hey, I heard you're doing a nonprofit for mental health. He said, did you know that's why I left AMR? Because I have PTSD. I said, I kind of heard something, but I, I, you know, I didn't know him real well. So we connected and he said, I had some pretty bad PTSD. He actually went to a therapist who didn't understand our world and told him, he can't have PTSD because that's for veterans. Oh, no. So, so he wasn't even validated those yes. feelings that he was feeling. So he struggled for a while, then did okay. He's a paramedic instructor now, and I can talk about it because he wants to do his own podcast and share his story. And um, he joined our board. It's amazing. We were at a conference, and for first responders, it's called the First Responder Conference. It's all about mental health. And those stories that they were telling really triggered him. Like he was rocking back in his chair, head in his hands going, I I can't do this. I don't know. This is me. This is me. So there was a vendor there called Deer Hollow, and it is an inpatient PTSD clinic in Utah. Okay. And they help all first responders. It's one of the closest ones that helps everybody in that field. Um, We are doing our research to find out where other locations are, but we know that that's credible. So I walked up to the booth without him and I said, are you able to help? I have someone right now. And we had, there's a shortage of therapists and that's another problem. (laughs) You know, they're seven weeks out, 11 weeks out. When you're in crisis, you do not have that time. No, you need it now. You need it now. So she said, what's going on? I told her and she asked if he was there. I said, yep. So I went over the table, brought him over to her and introduced them. I said, he's all yours. And I walked away. Dang, Brandy. (laughs) So within a week, he was on his way to Deer Hollow. Um, They got it going. What happened, though, was his insurance didn't quite kick in. The paperwork, there was a mishap. So bills weren't getting paid. He started freaking out. He goes, I can't do this. I need to be there for my family. So there was a lot of turmoil. And I told him, you stop. We are going to pay for your bills. You are going to get your help. (laughs) We got you. So... We did. Wow. Our board donated our own money because we were just brand new. Yeah, I don't even just, think we were 501c3 yet. Yeah, your infancy. You're just... So we just donated money, and I just reached out to the executive board. I'm like, hey, we got to pay these bills. <laughs> and we did that, and it was so cool. And since then, we have helped four people get there. And you're brand new. Brand new. <laughs> so we still, you know... Providence um, heard my story in October, gave me 20 to 30 minutes to talk on a Teams meeting, and after that, gave us $10,000 startup money. Incredible. <laughs> it was very incredible. I was so grateful. Um, and they go, we don't want to wait till the next year because it was for their next year grant event stuff. Or, you know, I'm again, I'm still learning a lot, <laughs> but they wanted to give it to me right then and there, and within a week, we had it. It was amazing. <laughs> so well, that, those partnerships—that's Spokane tried and true right there. Yes. Like if you know those needs are there and someone steps up to fill it, we form these groups, and then the support comes. If if you know, if the mission's there and you can effectively make change, so people are going to support this. Yeah. What What's the name of your nonprofit now? Now that it's all set up, United We Rescue. Oh, I'm glad it stuck. Yeah, it's just so good. And yeah. what's What's next? And as you know, you go from <laughs> now stuff. we're legitimate. Now we're we're here. We're getting some support. 
You've got your board put together? We do have our board put together. We're working on our bylaws, making sure everything like that um, is cohesive. But my focus right now actually is I want to, um, I met someone from Anovia, so I want to have a meeting with them. I've been meeting with financial advisors to see, um, talk about endowments. I've actually had someone say they'll help us start one again not my world <laughs> so I need the people that know that world yep to help with that part so we can find some financing it is so busy I do plan on going full-time with it um, and would love to maintain it American medical response too because the people that work there are amazing and they deserve the help a big win for us was AMR is a one of the world's largest corporations. Right, yeah. It's not in just Washington. No, it's worldwide. They're huge. So at first, my region director supported me 100% in this and said, you know, do this. This is amazing. But we have our own thing, so we got to be careful. Can't really talk about it at work. Okay. I respected that because he has been wonderful. In the past month, they have asked me to put their resources together. Really? All right. Huge win. So excited to be able to help. And I know the employees are so grateful because I have been doing a lot of research within our county. There is a plethora of resources, but it has also sparked a very interesting thing. I had a bartender, a local bartender, reach out to me and say, hey, someone referred me to you guys. I know you're for first responders, but I had a patron come into my bar who witnessed a fatality train accident. And she goes... He was suffering. I didn't know what to say to him. So I am putting resources together and I'm going to go take them to all the bartenders. Here's what you give them. Here's what you do. That's that. That's enough help. You know, we don't have to pay for that. It's easy. So we want to be that boots on the ground and help everybody know what's available. Because how do you spread that word? There's a need and there's a lot of help. People just don't know how to access it. Well, and if your organization is the one that can help pull those resources together, it's just going to be, it will fill the need. Right. Like, how do you, um, you know, like our listeners, if maybe they're feeling like really connected to you and your organization's story right now, like, how do they get involved? They can reach out. Um, you can go to our website and look at that. And then there's an email info at unitedwerescue.org. That will come to me or our vice president, Leslie Ledke, and we will answer that. And we always are looking for help. (laughs) I don't know if you can share this, but I'm asking, like, in your mind, you like, you have the magic wand. You can do anything with this organization. What does it look like in five years? And what geography are you covering? So since my first initial vision, I, I just wanted to go nationwide right away. I have since narrowed that down because I've learned. Is that what a ski I, racer in you? It's not yeah. a ski race. <laughs> yeah. But there's also, again, there's lots of resources. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to collaborate with everybody and see what's out there and help them navigate that. But also with our um, that baseball event idea is we are calling that the Grand Slam for Heroes. I'm so excited. (laughs) The Spokane Indians have agreed to endorse it. What? Yes. So excited. So our first event will be this fall. I do not have a hard date because um, I'm 
sure the local area knows that Spokane Indians were just awarded several million dollars for some upgrades. They have to do somewhere around $23 million of upgrades in the next three years. They are starting construction the weekend after their season ends this year. Logistics-wise, they have to work it out if we can actually have it in their ball field right Right, it's going to be really difficult, yeah. But we still might. Mm -hmm. He knows. I'm like, what do I have to do to make this happen? So I don't know if it will. If it does, yay. If not, I'm hoping for Shadow Park High School because they actually have lights. Yeah, great ball fields. It's a great ball field, great parking. And they will, Indians will still endorse it, make it feel like the Indians. And we'll have it there. But we are having our first event this fall. It is, we are getting the whole city involved. We want to pit City Fire against Valley Fire, Sheriff's against PD. I want all three news stations to compete against each other. Yes. We are going to have categories and civilians come and have a civilian one. And these obstacles are funny. Home Depot is actually doing a Um, project for us through a grant and they are going to build our starting platform which will be good job home depot i know they're one of our favorite vendors at skillskin nice yep so they want to i my vision is to have like a three or four foot platform with a couple of fire poles attached you slide down the fire pole boots hit the ground that's when the time starts (laughs) um spokane marathon the negative half split Ryan Height, thank you if you listen to podcasts. They are going to do our timing piece, and he actually joined our obstacle course committee. So great, brought, brought great insight to that. Yeah, people who know how to run events. It's a right. That's a special talent. <laughs> so people yeah. are always like, so what do you think? And I'm like, an adult hippity hop with concussion goggles. There's going to be recliners that you're going to have to go sit in and make fun of the firefighters you're gonna have to step into a little police car and run code to a donut shop and we have all sorts of plans (laughs) for this to make it spokane community local Uh um so i was asking my fiance and i said i need more police things to make fun of police and he goes i can't really think of anything but when i think of firefighters i think of those silly firefighter poses calendar poses and i'm like oh my gosh yes so Otto had a great idea. He goes, you got to still bring the baseball element. So at the end of it, we're going to have them run the bases. They'll ring a bell. Then they're going to, that'll end the time. We're going to have a big, gigantic photo booth. <laughs> and they have to don either fire, military, or police garb. And we're going to have all sorts of fun props and boas and tiaras and hoses and a sign that says, I wish I was a cop or I wish I was a firefighter. I want to I want to go to this. This sounds fun. Everybody's going to want to go to this. And then after the event, we'll pick the best 13 photos and create a calendar and sell them. I think they'll be so funny. At first, my thought was to put it in the obstacle course. And Ryan said, don't do that. Because it's so great. You want them to take their time a little bit because we were going to put it like a 30 second cap on it <laughs> so they can get through. The and obstacles. you know, these folks are fun. They it's are like it's serious at right. work, but when you're outside <laughs> of work, it's time to play. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be really fun. And my, you know, my thought is to bring awareness, you know, what we go through. There's so much negative publicity out there. You got to hear the good. There's so much good out there. <laughs> Do you think you'll be able to translate that into other communities if they see value in this? It, will, will your organization could be the one to help with that? Or do you want to just now stick right here in the I Inland Northwest? I do not want to stay here. Um, in five years, you had asked me, we're going to Fenway, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I would love to partner. Um, there's an organization called First Help that does a lot of education on 
mental health and suicide awareness for first responders. I saw their founder speak at the first responder conference just a week ago. So after we do our first event, I'd like to connect with them again and partner with them and maybe a military nonprofit and take this every year, go to a different MLB ball field. So MLB, one year soon, I hope they are a main sponsor, or at least allow us to do this and bring that awareness. I believe in it. I, I can see that. I, I know it'll happen. Otto Klein from the Spokane Indians. Mm. He is he is just such a great support. And when we were we were just talking yesterday about all this, so he's like, when you go to Petco Field and you go do this, and you know, I just love that. He saw it. Our first meeting was amazing. It was on a Zoom meeting. I made sure he could see my Fenway scoreboard. Had never met the man, <laughs> so he sees it first thing. Is that a like, vision board at that point? You're just like, yep, this is well, happening. I literally picked up my computer, <laughs> took it around the room. Big Poppy is my favorite player, so I have this big picture of Big Poppy when this Boston Marathon bombing happened. He was out in the field, and he said, this is our city. That's what it says on the picture. I know what he really said. <laughs> there might have been a word in there, but um, it was. it's an amazing picture. So I sit down. After I show him my office and I start talking, I don't think I got five minutes into it, kind of gruffly. He's like, I just need to stop you right there. And my heart sunk. I'm like, he hates this. Oh, my God. He goes, I was born in New York. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then he goes, we have a connection. And he was just fantastic and just writing and writing. He's looking up. He goes, this is incredible. This is talking about the event. He goes, this is going nationwide. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> See, I love that, that groundswell of support, yes. and, and who knows where it'll go. Well, it's different. Yeah. It's unique. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know, I guess I'm, I feel a little bit ignorant, you know, in this conversation, because I feel like I got a finger on the pulse of, you know, what's happening. I'm reading a lot. I'm trying to understand the world. I'm in the nonprofit space, too, trying to help people. Um, you know, the disability space where I spend a lot of my time, but just understanding it. And you hear a lot about the military, right? And PTSD yes. and some of these issues. Um, I just haven't read a lot about, you know, first responders. And maybe that's just not in my wheelhouse, but now it is. Yeah. And I can definitely understand that. And I I'm curious from your perspective, like, what does a day in the life look like here in Spokane? Like, what are people facing in, in any given day? Help our listeners understand that a little bit. <sighs> Every day is so different. You never know what to expect. That's kind of the excitement of it, honestly. For people that get into it and stay in it, you're long-term people. And it's not for everybody. Some people get into it and think, I can do this. And maybe after a year, realize it is not for them. Um, when I do pick up shifts, it's been a couple years I picked up a lot of night shifts. They're busy. <laughs> they only right. work 12 hour shifts and this, every community is different too. Where I used to work, it was 24 hour shifts, 48, maybe a 72, but we got to go back to the station and sleep here. They don't get to do that. The fire department, you know, they get to go back to a station, but they're equally as busy too. You know, they are responding to the same calls we do. And that's kind of how it's broken up in our community, right? Correct. We have AMR contract with the city and County where the ambulance transport, um, we, we both respond, so whether the fire department gets there first or um, AMR, it's a team effort. Mm -hmm. so, okay. For sure. And then everyone, that's when transportation starts. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, but no uh, no home base really for the folks in the Not AMR. Not here, no. Up in I see them in now. a parking lot uh, at Four Lakes. Yep. It's like one of the, that's the home base. I'm like, oh man. Everybody You're, wants out there because you know you get you get a break. Ah, okay, that's the spot. <laughs> that's the spot. Yeah, well, I can just see them when I'm getting gas in that same parking lot. I'm like, oh, I, y'all I are ready to go. Admit one night because again, I work full time during the day. I picked up a shift a couple years ago, and it was night, and I, I was working with a paramedic student, and we both fell asleep out there so hard that we didn't hear the radios. I didn't hear my phone, didn't hear the logist. And I have never done that in my whole career. I've never slept through a call. <laughs> All of a sudden, bang, bang, bang on my window. And we both woke up and I'm like, what? It was another crew. They've been trying to clear you. Oh. <laughs> it was towards the end of our shift. I'm dun, like, dun, dun. oh my gosh. So yeah, got teased about that a little bit. Oh, that's good. That's some good <laughs> ribbing right there though. Absolutely. Yeah, I deserve it. <laughs> But so, yeah, you're going to how, you know, homes, working with people on the street. Right. It's it's tough. You see the homeless. You see everything. And I think I get to talk to all the new hires once a month. And it's it's hard to see how young they are with no real training on what they're about to experience. Yeah, because you know, you've got years. (laughs) But you also have to have that compassion. Because it can leave pretty quick. I, I see a lot of burnout. and Where a human isn't a human anymore? Right. Okay. You you're know, just so working. I, right. And I try and tell them, hey, that homeless person, you're only seeing such a small glimpse of their life. They're not going to tell you the story most of the time of what really brought them there. You don't know if that person maybe lost their family in a fire years ago. And they just don't know what to do. And here they are. Everybody's got a different story. Take a moment and listen to them. You know, I love talking to my patients. I'm chatty anyway. So to me, I just love hearing their stories, where they came from, what brought them there. Might teach me something, what not to do. Or, hey, I want to try that. Sure. So. Yeah, that compassion. You have to have it. So I really try and teach that. And I'm hoping as an organization, too, we can kind of remind people of that. There is a book in our world called Pride and Ownership. It is written by a gentleman named Chief Rick Lasky. He used to be the fire chief in Sp- uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, years ago. My fire chief took 10 of us to go see him speak in New Jersey. And I'm like, oh, great. I got to go see this guy talk. You're like, what's blah, happening? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Kept me captivated the entire eight hours. He was amazing. And during his speech, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm from a little place in the northwest called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where they have huckleberries. And no one out here knows what a huckleberry is. So I waited till break. And I'm like, I know. Huckleberry so <laughs> I moved there when I was two. Yes, my parents live in Priest Lake, <laughs> so they definitely know yeah. huckleberries. And um, it was great. He is coming here this fall for our event. Oh, wow. Yes, we have been in contact. Uh, really want him to speak to our community because it's about burnout, learning your burnout, learning how to talk to people when you notice yourself being short to a coworker or a patient, something. All right, it's time to step back. Maybe take that break. You need that break. You need to remember to take care of yourself and have your family time and friend time. And I think that's how I'm able to cope so well. I have such a great friend and family support network. My faith helps me. I pray all day long, every day, because I'm not perfect. 
I swear. You're I'm, human after I'm all? I'm human. Jeez, Brandy. I make mistakes. <laughs> I judge. I try not to judge. It's probably my biggest thing of telling people because we only see, again, such a small perspective. And there's a huge, you got to get a bird's eye view to really see what's going on. And we don't have that. You know, we can't always do that. No, never. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that <laughs> in judgment and compassion, they can just be at odds with each other, right? right? Like, yeah, choose compassion. Yes, you have to. And if you don't have that compassion or the passion to be able to help people, you might not be in the right field. It might be great experience and great knowledge, but it might, but it might not be a great fit for you. Well, I just that's a call to action if I had heard one and being real with people. Thank it, it you. Is, it is real. <laughs> I have a question for you. Just I was yeah. at an event yesterday. It was the mayor's state of the city. And um, the mayor, uh, Woodward, was talking about, you know, just all the drugs on the street. And just from your perspective, you're, you're and your colleagues are out there. I mean, how big of a problem is this? It's huge. It's not just here. It's everywhere. Um I remember when I first came here, people were like, you don't know what it's like. You worked on Cape Cod where the Kennedys live and blah, blah, blah. There was a huge pandemic. They did a huge documentary on the opioids on Cape Cod. It is not, um, doesn't discriminate. Everybody can be affected. Whether you're rich, poor, middle class, doesn't matter. Addiction is addiction. I wish they could find where the heck these drugs are coming in. Part of me believes they know. Uh, part of me believes there's money involved somewhere because I can't understand for the life of me why we can't get rid of it. I, it angers me. And so it's because it's I, that <laughs> big of a problem. And you're seeing you and your industry, you're on the front lines of this. We see it all the time. I hear about it more now. Sure. And I'm not out in the street, but even in the schools, my kid is a senior at University High School, and he's had two friends overdose. Wow. Or, you know, not close, close friends, but close enough where one was at a park he was at during the daytime, and he called me up, and he goes, Mom, can you come get me? And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, ambulance is here. And it was not in the same group of friends, but close enough. He knew the kid. I was so proud of him for wanting to get out of that scenario because I have, from a very young age, I tell him everything I see when it comes to drugs and stuff, every Smart. story. People are like, why would you do that? I go, because I don't want him doing that. That's why. I have a similar <laughs> parenting plan. He <laughs> laughed at me. One day I was on a kick about prescription drugs because I had just gotten done speaking at West Valley High School. What They had me bring an ambulance out there one day, and they cycled students through every 15 minutes. And boy, did I get an earful. And they loved hearing me talk, but I loved hearing them talk. They told me every drug they did. And I'm like, you guys are stupid. And they laugh at me. I'm like, no, seriously, you take that drug and it might make you feel good. But now you're going to have a drool the rest of your life because everybody's you know, built differently. Um, and they have these Skittle parties and all these things they were telling me, I was just mortified. So my son and I are driving, and I, it was in my mind. I just look over at him. I'm like, by the way, no prescription drugs. Yeah. So we laugh about it to this day. He's like, all right, Mom, no prescription That's drugs. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> lucky for your son. Yeah, you get to be real. You get to uh, not be hiding because it's happening, and it's happening right to them every day. If I thought it was kind of unique. Like uh, our daughter, Savannah, she goes to a high school out on the West Plains. Same thing. One of her schoolmates overdosed, died. And I'm like, that's why I heard about it. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. 
And we heard about another kid that she was in sixth grade with on the north side, and same thing died. Right. Like, this is, it was brought it home for me. I'm like, this is real. This is not. It is very real. Yeah. It is. And I don't know how they get him. It, I knew back east only because I transported patients that went to what we call psych facilities or a mental health facility. I transported a drug dealer once and I got to sit in the back of the ambulance with him for an hour and we had the best conversation. Smart, smart, smart kid. He was honest with me. He goes, I was born from a crack mom and that was my life. It's great money. I am a master at construction, but this is where the money is. He goes, I don't want to be this way, but it's all I know. And I just, it was so grateful for his honesty. And I just told him, I hope he gets the help he really wanted. He had a great plan to get that help. I mean, really smart man. It just is so sad to me. (laughs) Indeed. Randy, you have lived a big life and experienced a lot of stuff. And you're just starting. Like, I just have this, all this energy. I just see um, I have a lot your organization's going somewhere. Well, thank goodness. And thanks yeah. for being in Spokane. Thank it's you. like this community needs passion. We need, you know, folks just like you to help, you know, you. fill the need and, and, step up really so thank you it's a team effort it is really the whole group it's amazing we have nine certified peer support members on our team now Um, they go through a three-day certified class through a company called and don't ask me what the acronym means because I'll never remember but ICISF which is international crisis intervention stuff Um, we had a peer support specialist here um, on, on the podcast and he he works out at Eastern State Hospital. We oh, got really? to our we got to learn a lot that day about peer support. Yeah, we'll hook <laughs> you up absolutely. So th- that's amazing that you yeah you're bringing these folks together. And like you said, if you don't have that uh, experience, right? Right. Hard to have that conversation. And there are there is help in the city. So like Spokane Police, they have a great peer support team. Um, Spokane County has a SISM team. But not everybody has availability to that or may not know about it. So we're not here to take over. We're just an additional resource. If, if they're not available, we're going to help them out. I don't feel... And just awareness, right? Get right. the community involved. Like that that right there, that groundswell of support, there will be... Something I'll, good comes from that. I want to collaborate with all these people. So the Spokane County SISM team, one of their members is actually certified through this ICSISF to teach that course. She's amazing. She's been honest with me and was very hesitant at first on what we were doing because everybody wants to do this kind of thing. Or, you know, everybody has these ideas. She met with me not too long ago um, and said... She's a believer now, so pretty cool. It's the real deal. <laughs> yes. You know, and I told them, oh. we're no, we don't want to take over. We just want to help support you. If you guys don't have, if you go to a big, what we call a group schism, if there's a large fire and they're going to pull the whole department in type of thing or the members of that day, um, they don't have funding. I said, let us be your funding. We'll buy all your snacks and your coffee and allow you to do that. Yeah, um, just be that partner. Yeah, Spokane Valley oh. and Cheney Fire Department have a... Monday shop talk thing that they go do that I recently found out about and they might be losing some funding so I'm connecting with their therapist who is going to help us out and I go let us be your funding so you can continue that 
let's not see that go away. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And that's what we're here for, to unite everybody and keep things going and keep that mental health awareness and hopefully keep people here on this earth. <laughs> Brandy, it's been so nice to talk to you. I cannot Thank believe <laughs> the time has flown by. Um, anything you want our listeners to to know? Some parting thoughts? Um, thank your first responder. <laughs> For real. Thank your military. We have the freedoms we have in this world because of our military. Whatever your beliefs are, we have to have these jobs. We have to, you know? So thank them. <laughs> deal you heard it here (laughs) brandy thank you thanks for joining us what a great time thank you (laughs) 